Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello there and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on the podcast. We are in season three and this is episode two of the podcast. So if it is your first time, welcome for joining us. And also if you are returning, thank you so much for tuning in and returning. So as always, I have an amazing guest on the podcast and we're going to talk about a really interesting story about her story and her husband's story. We're really getting into the depths of immigration. Um, what's it like to be an immigrant? What's it like to have a spouse who's an immigrant and all the paperwork? And I believe this is one to dear to my heart in terms of immigration. As I came over to the United States when I was 26, I came with my job. I didn't come for love, but I did come for my job. And there are all these paperwork you have to do. And even when you're here, getting a green card, renewing a green car, the paperwork, becoming a citizen, dealing with travel and all this different stuff you have to deal with. So immigration, being an immigrant and dealing with an immigration is an interesting experience. My guest today is going to be talking about her experience and experience with her spouse. So let's go ahead and introduce the guest today. My guest today is Jessica Stevens. She is a corporate marketer turned social marketer, online entrepreneur, and podcast host. She's passionate about supporting people in transforming their daily actions to be on purpose and love their life. Career, business, relationships, health, love, all of it. She is a master networker and connector, helping pair people with others and opportunities. Her love for travel landed her a pilot husband, which fueled her desire to ditch the cubicle life for a carry-on bag, laptop, and good Wi-Fi. When she's home, you can find her in the kitchen, churning up a batch of homemade gourmet ice cream and being the blessed plant mom she can be. I love it. And she is just so full of life. Um, Just just such a great um, person and a great interview. So get ready to be inspired. And let's get into the conversation. Hello, Jessica, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Hi, Bianca. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be a guest on your show and, and share some stories. Yes. And I'm excited about your story. Whilst I might not relate fully, but I relate to the immigration Mm -hmm. (laughs) part of your story. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So what is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? I really didn't know when I met this wonderful man who lived in another country that my life would take a hard left (laughs) um, and find me in the zone of being in a long distance relationship. Mm -hmm. 
had zero intention of falling in love with this man from this other country. And then, you know, dating, getting engaged and getting married very, very quickly so that we could start the wonderful process of immigration um, to have us actually be together. And so it was such a whirlwind because it all happened rather quickly in the grand scheme of things. And I didn't think that it was going to be as challenging as it was to actually get him here after we got married. And so what didn't break me <laughs> was um, sponsoring my husband to immigrate to Canada so that we could actually be together. And there were moments, let me tell you, that it was pure frustration because something like immigration is completely out of your control. Mm -hmm. There is literally nothing that you can do to advance the plot, as that <laughs> he and I liked to say. And it's really in the hands of other people. Other people get to decide. Other people are dictating the timeline and you just have to wait. Mm. And so patience is the thing that I thought was literally going to break me. Mm. Wow. So tell us about, and because you're also in Canada. So tell us about this. What did they tell you at the beginning to expect? And also, where was your husband um, in, in this process? So when I met my husband, he was living and working in Florida mm -hmm. as, a, as a flight instructor. My husband's a pilot. He was actually in the process of trying to stay in the United States. So he is originally from Jamaica, uh, went to the United States for his pilot education. <laughs> so was, um, you know, a flight student and then was able to stay in the U.S. after, you know, finishing that on an N1, H1, something, something visa, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that might sound familiar to people. And he had this great job at this flight academy in Florida and they wanted him to stay and all the things, but he couldn't, you know, the US government saw him as taking a job away from an American. So he was actually getting booted out of the US and he had to move back to Jamaica. This was all going on when we were dating. Mm -hmm. And then we got married and we started the process of having him move to Canada because mm -hmm. that's where I was. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not moving to the US to be with you because you're not allowed to be there. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to move you to Canada. Canada always has had this kind of idea of, or this image of being a very welcoming country. We're very mm -hmm. diverse, right? There's all sorts of people here from all sorts of countries from all around the world. Toronto is where I live and it is the most diverse city in the world. Mm. And so there's always been this idea that our immigration policy has been fairly open and very welcoming. And so when you apply for sponsoring somebody to come to the country, as a born Canadian, this was a whole new experience for me. Like I had mm -hmm. no idea what was all the hoops that we were going to have to jump through and all the things that we were going to have to do. And so literally the application was like, the size of a phone book, like at the end of it, once we had submitted all of the things that we needed to submit to get him here, it was like a binder, right? Wow. Full of documents. So all, all of the records, so like the marriage certificates and all the things, but also things like police reports had to be from every single country he had lived in for more than a year. 
So he had lived in the United States, lived in Jamaica. He also, in his past, had gone to dental school in Cuba. <laughs> so we were like ch- trying to figure out like, oh my God, do we need to find a police report from Cuba from the from the 90s? Like what, like, what are we going to have to do here? So there's a lot of documentation that the government needs to get from you. They also mm-hmm. needed to make sure that our relationship was legit. Of course, yeah. They wanted a documented timeline of our entire courtship. When did you meet this person? How did you meet? Who introduced you? What family members of yours um, have met him? What family members of his have met you? All of the interactions, they wanted documentation. They wanted to see our our long-distance phone bills. (gasps) They wanted to see plane tickets for us to go and see each other. They wanted everything to the point where... Obviously, we didn't have long distance phone call um, or like long distance phone bills because who talks long distance anymore? It was all all Skype. It was all WhatsApp, whatever. So the hubs, uh, as I affectionately refer to him now, literally is like, all right, they want to see it. And he downloaded our entire WhatsApp conversation history. From the time we had met, we both, you know, got mm-hmm. onto WhatsApp and that's how we would chat with mm-hmm. each other all the time. And so he found a way to download our history. And he's like, he's like, they want to see it. Let them see it. And like sent me the PDF document. It was like hundreds of pages of transcribed conversation. So they, they want to see that. They wanted to see um, our our weddings. We had to send wedding photos. Guests had to like write like letters to say, hey, yeah, these two people, I was at their wedding and they're happily married, like crazy amounts of things. So how long did it take you to gather all of that information? A while. It is a process because obviously you have to get police reports, right? And Mm -hmm. you have to, it's not easy to get a police report from a Mm -hmm. country that you're no longer living in. So Mm -hmm. we had to like figure out, he needs to go to the States. He needs to like be there, go to the, like, thankfully, you know, in the timeline, we had booked a couple of, you know, meetups and stuff. And so we were able to like meet up in the States and go to a police station and request this thing. And, and everything had an expiration date, right? So it's not like, you can plan way far in advance and then like, oh, we're going to start gathering these things because they expire after a year. So if your your file isn't processed within the time frame in which this police report was created, you got to go get a new one. So you have a very small window to like get things done and, in, and completed. So you can't work, you can do a little bit of advanced work, but not that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It, <laughs> So it's, it's crazy and ridiculous. And I know, I know, I know the reason behind it. It's very important, you know, justify and make sure that people are claiming what they're claiming, but the hoops you have to jump through are kind of crazy. Me as the sponsor, I also had to prove that I could take care of this person, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're sponsoring somebody to come to the country, you take on the full responsibility for them. I mean, your spouse is not eligible for any social services in those first few years, mm-hmm. right? I believe technically for the first 10 years of our marriage, I was um, financially responsible for him. So even if we had broken up or gotten a divorce and he wasn't employed, he would not be eligible for like certain things. And I would have to be responsible for him. Wow. So it is a very big commitment to bring somebody into a country. So I, I appreciate like <laughs> all the background checks and all the things, but it is, yeah, definitely a challenge. They don't make it easy. 
Um, Canada also has this concept, maybe concept isn't the word, but their goal is to keep families together. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of two ways in which we could have applied for him for his residency, applying for him outside of the country, which is what we did. So he was living in Jamaica and he was not physically here with me or people who, you know, decide that they're going to be here. He's going to be here. We're going to apply for him within Canada. He's not a resident. He has no standing. He can't work. He doesn't have a, you know, mm-hmm. a number. He doesn't have healthcare, nothing. He's physically here with me, but he has no status. We were instructed that, Hey, it's all, it's better for you guys to apply for him for his residency outside of the country because it'll be faster because the goal in Canada is to unite families. So if you apply with him in the country, technically you're together he's just, it's just going to take a lot longer for him to officially get his status and his paperwork so that he can work and he can do healthcare and he can do all these, you know, all the things, but you're just together. So you get to choose. Do you want to be together or do you want him officially to have his papers? And we're like, officially having his papers is way more important to us. Right. And so we applied for him outside of the country. And even doing that, it took us almost two years. What? From the day we filed to the day he actually arrived and was granted residency. Did you think it was going to take two years? Did did you, when you, because when I'm thinking, when someone says to me, it's quicker, I'm thinking six months. <laughs> right? right? Is that what you were thinking? Yes. I was definitely thinking this is, you know, within a year. Yeah. Like, like definitely it's, it's going to speed up the process. It's going to like cut it in half maybe, but it still took us almost two years from the day I filed to the day he actually got that stamp. I have a question. So when you Mm -hmm. say the day you filed, is that the day you put in all of that paperwork or the day, like when you had gathered all that information, that's Mm -hmm. the day you filed? Yeah. So the day you file is when you go to the website, upload all of the things, okay. scan all the documents, hit submit, and they officially have your money. Yeah. That's and your file. Day. And you and you get a record and you're like, your case number is XXXXXS. And then you can just see the status. It's like okay. in review. Okay. So <laughs> so you were preparing information then before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Wow. So, and, you know, when you get married, you have to wait a certain amount of time before your, your marriage certificate shows up from the day we got married. Then you have to wait for all your mm-hmm. official legal documentation to come mm-hmm. in. Then you got to do right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a process. What was it like during this two years from the day that you filed and then you're waiting? What was it like for you personally? And then you know, how did that impact you? And then how did it impact your relationship, your marriage? It was hard because A, I'm alone, mm-hmm. right? We're in, we, we decided to file with him being in Jamaica so that he could continue to work and build his career because we, we knew that that was going to be important for him to be able to get a job here mm-hmm. eventually because he needs to have experience and hours and all the things. So making the decision to be apart and leave him where he was and me, me being here was very challenging mm-hmm. because you're married. The whole point of being married is being together yeah. and like starting off your relationship apart. It kind of feels like you're not married, mm-hmm. right? Like we went through the process of having 
the ceremony and having the big wedding and having the party and all the things. And we're married now. We got married in Jamaica. We got on a plane after the wedding. We flew to Canada together. Mm -hmm. We did all the things that we needed to do together. He also didn't want me leaving my own wedding by myself. So he's like, no, I'm going to come home with you Mm -hmm. just so that, you know, we're together. We got some things done and then he got back on a plane and left. And then you're alone. So I was still living in my, my condo by myself, still going to work. I still had all of my same routine mm-hmm. as from before as to now. The only difference was, is I was now married, but I was still alone. That must have been hard to grasp or even grasp, be frustrated. Yeah. Like- so you're, so you're alone. And then there's all of this work that you now need to do mm-hmm. <laughs> to not be alone. Right. And, and I did it on my own. So yes, there was things that he did. He had to like take care of on his end and he, you know, got me, got me his police reports, got me all the things. And, you know, there was a lot we did together, but at the end of the day, it was my responsibility. I was the one who was filing to bring him to this country. So most of it lands on the person who is mm-hmm. the sponsor. Okay. Right. So I had that. Plus I had my job right? And to make things extra fun, (laughs) I I actually got laid off from my job two months after our beautiful big wedding. And this was a huge problem for us because as I said, as the sponsor, you are responsible for this person and you have to prove to the government that you can take care of this person or they're not letting them into the country. And I just got laid off. And so that means I, even though I was a good employee for, you know, 13 years at the time, Mm -hmm. I couldn't collect unemployment insurance because had I done that, they would have instantly rejected his residency application. Even if I went on employment for two months in between jobs, right? Like get laid off. You're on a EI for, you know, a couple months, which is mm-hmm. pretty normal for people while they, you know, search for a new job, they get the new job. And oh, even if I had only been on there for a month or two months, gosh, because fast forward two years and we're standing in front of the window at the office and he, you know, they're, we're doing the final things. And the woman looks me in the face and like, at any point during this time, have were you on any sort of social assistance? And I had to say no. I Well, I did say no because I didn't, because I knew that had I done that, it would have been an instant no. So getting laid off and packing up my box and being put in a cab and sent home and arriving at my, my house alone with no one, calling my husband and saying, he's like, why are you calling me in the middle of the day? And I said, I just got laid off. Now what? Mm. And he knew what that now what meant because we're in the middle of his residency application. So he knew that that meant I am up, you know, a creek without a paddle at the moment. And it had been a new job. I had just started it. So there was no severance package because I didn't have any seniority there, right? Mm -hmm. I was first one in, or last one in, first one out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I couldn't, and I couldn't collect the eye. Gosh, that must add that layer of pressure on top of everything else of like, well, now I need to figure out how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to secure his residency and do all of that without any help? 
did you ever think or did you think during that time or even just during the process like oh forget it I'm just gonna go to Jamaica (laughs) um yeah so the thought of like hey let me just like pick up and like take off absolutely but the pragmatic part of me and Mm -hmm. the figure it out part of me Mm -hmm. wouldn't let me do that because I knew like this is temporary Jessica like you're gonna find a job you just need to start Mm -hmm. making that happen so networking was what I knew I needed to do to be able to find that job really quickly and you can't find that job when you're not in the country Mm -hmm. so as much as I wanted to like jump on a plane and go to be with my family and be with my husband and lick my wounds I couldn't like I literally had a day to like feel like crap cry on my couch and and do all those things but the next day I literally had to like hit the ground running and figure this out that sounds like a lot yeah it is so first off the emotional trauma of being laid off for the first time Mm -hmm. ever in my career I had to I had to do that but I had to do that alone Mm -hmm. and then I had to do it quickly because I couldn't sit in that grief for very long because I knew what was on the line I knew what the cost would be if I had done that was it easy for your husband to support you during that time oh no it was horrible he instantly wanted to come and be with me right Mm -hmm. but that's was not possible he also had his job and Mm -hmm. and um we also were like thinking financially like we need to secure all the dollars and all the pennies like Mm -hmm. this is not the time to be frivolous with money and just buy plane tickets mm-hmm. um to be together but him not being here was hard on him because obviously I'm upset I am going through something traumatic he wants yeah. to be here he wants to support me all the things especially as a man right yeah. like something is wrong with your wife and you can't physically be there to comfort her or do anything it was horrible what comforted you both or what helped you both because I know you probably even thinking about it yeah it tears you up I haven't actually thought about any of this in a really, really long time. And so just like having the conversation, you're like, oh yeah, like I am going literally back to the physical state and emotion that I was feeling then right now, just by even talking about it. Mm. What I'm hearing you, the thing was you didn't have that space to breathe and and, Mm -hmm. and really take it in. Like you said, the emotional trauma of losing your job, not having your husband and knowing you had to keep going Otherwise, you really wouldn't have your husband there. Yeah. And also not having anyone who you I could really like lean on either, right? Mm-hmm. Because remember, my parents also don't live in the country. My parents and my, my sister live in Jamaica. And so that family support system, I also didn't have. <sighs> so yes, you have friends, you know, you can turn to and lean on and- And maybe there's a few people who have also gone through the experience of being Mm -hmm. laid off that you can turn to. But my situation was so unique that they really couldn't be all that helpful because anybody else who's been laid off from their job will be like, okay, here's what you can do. Here's the paperwork, go file for your EI, blah, blah, blah. They had no idea what I was now going through not having that cushion. Mm -hmm. That was the rug that was like literally pulled out from under me. I remember a friend messaged me. She's like, how's it going? Right. And Mm -hmm. this was like a couple, probably like maybe a couple months in she worked for her family business. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, if you need us to like write a letter to kind of on paper to say that you're employed, 
like happy to do that for you. I'm like, that's not what I need. Mm. I need a job. I need to show actual employment with money coming in the bank, my friends. Mm. Right? I need the money. I need the paycheck. On paper, I don't need anything on paper to say that I'm employed. They don't need to know that. They they need to see the money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So unless you're offer actually offering me a job, writing me some letter to tell the government that I'm 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 employed with you when I'm really actually not, not helpful. Not helpful. No. So how long did it take before you got back employment? I started freelancing right away. So as I said, I turned to my network and um, I was able to secure, I think, a two or three months freelance job pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So I got laid off in April, the week after my birthday. Oh my also, gosh. also oh my fun gosh. times. It's just so, coming at you. It was yeah. Just... It was like my birthday. I was by myself, um, and uh, yeah, the week after my birthday, mm-hmm. I got laid off. April was a really good good time for me. Um, so yeah, a couple it t- took a couple weeks, and by May, I had I had secured a freelance gig for you know two to three months. So May, June, July, I think, mm-hmm. um, or May, June, and then um, I got another freelance gig when that one ended. I had an amazing network that I tapped into and people were really helpful uh, in that sense of, oh, hey, like even if they couldn't offer me a full-time gig because I was a senior director at the time, like I was, I was being paying some big bucks. Like I was a six figure, I was a six figure earner. So those jobs, you know, are out there. It's just going to take a little while to Mm -hmm. get one. Right. And so, yeah, freelancing is what I did for, you know, a couple of rounds. And then I got a friend introduced me to somebody who said, Hey, they're looking for a director. Um, and it's actually for a Caribbean based client. I think you would be perfect for you because mm. me being Jamaican Chinese and coming from Jamaica, I'm like, okay. And so I went and got that interview and by September, so I got laid off in May or, uh, yeah, I got laid off in April, started freelancing in May. I believe I started that new job sometime in September. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But that is only because I hustled. That is only because I moved and moved, acted quickly and was very intentional with every single mm-hmm. conversation I had, every person I was meeting. Like, even though I had these freelance jobs, like they weren't guaranteed, they weren't going to last. I knew that they were definitely temporary. So I was like interviewing like all the time throughout mm-hmm. the summer, which is the worst time to interview, by the way, because everyone's <laughs> on vacation, right? Like all, <laughs> all the powers that be are not around to hire in the summertime. But yeah, thankfully I was able to secure something and, and I started that jo- a new job in September. Wow. And then during this time, was the immigration like asking you questions or did you need more information or were you just purely waiting? purely waiting this this is like the radio silence portion of your application time where all it says on the website is processing like you you like click into the website and you put up your case file and like this under status it's like processing and you're like what the f does that mean <laughs> well like where in the process can you give me like process stage one process like can you break it down yeah. no all it says is processing and that did not change for 20 months what did you right? okay so did you call up oh yeah all the time we would inquire we called like it's in review it's in review 
it got to the point where I was now calling my my MPP. I don't know what the version of that is in the US, but I was calling my my local MPP, writing a letter, getting like trying to get an interview. And then at that point, all of my family mm-hmm. was now in very involved and engaged of like, we need some answers. And so a family friend had a connection at the Canadian consulate in Jamaica. Mm. And so we were now trying to backdoor what's going on from the other side. So we started having people start investigating for us and whatever. And it just so happens that the week that I finally got an interview with my MPP to have them do something, we finally got a letter or some sort of communication from um, CIC, which is the Canadian Immigration Mm-hmm. whatever I don't remember the letters they stand for and it they wrote us and said you know these things have expired we need new ones <gasps> no <laughs> so, you did not yeah no. so so now we just needed to submit these new versions of these previous documents that have now been so, so uh, expired so they could like finish it up and then after we just submitted those revised mm-hmm expire I think was a police report or or whatever it was um then it started happening pretty quickly after that okay so did you guys see each other during that time how often would you see each other or for the first year maybe like every four months or so Mm. yeah gosh yeah, I think I think it was like three to four months was how long we would go. And then for the second year? For the second year, my husband just decided, he's like, we can't do this anymore. I'm coming. So in, I think in the late summer, mm-hmm. he walked away from his job, packed up, packed up, moved here mm. and was physically here with me. And then he got his his call in October. Okay. Yeah. So there was a chunk of time where he was physically here, but not able to do anything, but yeah. he didn't care. You know, we just wanted to be together at that point. Yeah, because that's just too long. It's yeah. just too long. Yeah. So what helped you during that time? What do you think were the things that helped you get through this emotional and mental turmoil you were both going through? Ooh, um constant communication mm-hmm. right like thank god for whatsapp and skype right mm-hmm. like i always joke with people i'm like um this long distance relationship is sponsored by skype right <laughs> like that those video calls were life mm-hmm. like just being able to see the other the other person mm-hmm. um so yeah constant communication definitely helped but also carrying on with life Mm-hmm. So that was a really important that I still had a social life. I still went out. I still did things. I I went to you know work functions and parties and whatever because it would be really easy to like just isolate yourself from the world mm-hmm. and been like oh we have a date night tonight and just like hang out at home eat dinner on Skype together and or you know watch TV. So here's a fun thing that we used to do that was really helpful. So on our honeymoon right after our wedding. We had gone to this beautiful villa that a, um, a friend of us gifted for our for our gifts, and my sister had all six seasons of Lost on DVD. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so we're like, hey, just throw it in the car. Who knows if it's raining, we might need, you know, whatever. So we go to this beautiful villa in St. Elizabeth, Jamaica, and we start episode one, season one of Lost <laughs> that we start watching together. And then when we were apart, we would watch Lost as our date night. Mm. So mm. he found a way to watch it on his end. I watched it up mine. We'd be on Skype together, muted, watching the episode, and then texting on whatsapp yeah wow that is how we watch, that's how we watch tv together you made it work now that now you could do it on netflix easily yeah <laughs> right. pandemic. this is like <laughs> this know, is pre-pandemic pre-pandemic this is this is how we watch tv together we watch so my goal was is like i want us i'm like we're gonna be together by time we end season six mm. Aww. season six came and, and and the show ended and we were still not together Ugh. so we had to like figure out the new show but that was like my goal my wish i'm like yeah you know we're gonna get to season six and then we're gonna be together it's mm -hmm. gonna be wonderful so watching tv together helped us mm. that was something that was we got to bond over as like watching these episodes mm. together and like texting so that that really helped us I knew it was going to happen. Like it wasn't a situation where I was concerned that we, they were going to deny him, mm -hmm. right? Like he's my husband. I did all the things, the money's in the bank. I knew it was going to happen. It just how long it was going to take. That was the variable that I had no control over. But I knew in my heart of hearts, I'm like, we're going to be fine. We will be together. Like this is going to happen. So just having unwavering faith i believe mm. really mm. also helped but it was just such a frustrating time and really learning how to be patient mm. like that was clearly a lesson that i needed to that god wanted me to learn in a really impactful way so that you know my ability to be patient later on in life is so much better mm. but that was the lesson that i needed to learn during that season okay Thank you. Really letting go of things that are beyond your control. Yeah. Because as an A-type personality and somebody in, in the career that I was in, I was often in control. And if there was something that was going sideways, I was the girl who was figuring out mm -hmm. how to get it done, right? Like that's my part of my personality. I'm like, oh, this is the hurdle. Let's figure this out. Let's mm -hmm. figure this out. But being in a situation where you are not in control, somebody else's in control and the only thing that you are allowed to do is wait like sit on your hands and wait oh my god like that was the hugest hugest lesson that i had to learn at that time of my life so i have two questions okay. was there any reason you didn't use a lawyer or did using a lawyer not make a difference there using a lawyer would not have made a difference in our mind at all okay it wasn't a complicated immigration, right? Mm. As I said, we were married. I was fully mm -hmm. eligible to sponsor him. His side was also easy. He has no children. He's never been married before. Like there was no issues in mm. the past or like, you know, there was nothing preventing it. Mm -hmm. It was just, as I said, time. So people told us like, you're a smart woman, Jessica. Like you can easily file these these documents. Okay. Like go online, read the list, gather the things, submit, away you go. And it was all fine. Nothing was wrong. Mm. It literally just took a long time because of A, where he was coming from. So depending on the country in which your spouse is coming from, it takes longer, right? Uh... And B, that year that this was all going down, 
there were, I guess, lack of better striking strikes in all of the foreign offices, right? Yeah. So they were, I guess, work to rule of they were processing visas very slowly. Like they were, uh, there was strikes happening in the government. So at all the foreign offices. So this time span of two years was unusual. A little bit, yes. Okay. But there was also a backlog, mm. right? There was so much. And depending on, as I said, depending on where you were coming from, certain countries were given priority. Certain people were given priority. Like if if he was coming from the United Kingdom, which is where you're from, I'm pretty sure he would have been here mm, you know, yeah. under four months. Yeah. Because of where he was coming from, an island, Jamaica, yeah. you know, it took a lot longer. Okay. No comment. Right? No, <laughs> no com- comment. Like, no comment. Hopefully the listeners can understand yeah. what that what we're saying yes. here. Yes. If this person was immigrating from Europe. Yes. If this immigration was immigrating from the United States. All of those things. Like what what was his job? What were his credentials? Like Yeah. Right? Here's the craziest thing. In Canada, pilots are not considered professionals. What? Honestly, we joke all the time. If he was a mime, he would have had more career points to get into Canada than him being a pilot. Wow. So there was things that weren't helping the expedition yeah. of this, right? Yeah. It, it just took as long as it took. So what was it like when you finally got the official papers? <laughs> um, it was glorious, but at the same time, it took so long that it was very anticlimactic. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when there's something that just drags on and drags on and drags on and drags on and drags on, mm. and then you're like, ah, and it's finally done. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was no celebration. There was no party. There was no, like, woohoo. He had already moved here too. Right. So it wasn't like he stepped off the plane mm. and, like, mm-hmm. now it was like, no, we like drove to the office together yeah. in, stood in front of the lady and we, we took a photo and we drove home. It was a relief that it was done. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't a celebration, mm. right? We were just like, thank God it's done. It's just over. Yeah. 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 By because that time then, it was more like a trial than a... Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, I knew what my our next hurdle was. I was already looking ahead of, all right, what's next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the next was finding him a job, mm-hmm. getting him employment. And I knew that that was going to take a while. And... Here's the fun part of the story of one month after he arrived, I got laid off again. (laughs) So yeah, that celebration was very short lived because that job that I had gotten that helped me secure him here, I got laid off because of circumstances within that company and, you know, whatever. So I, here I was again, back on the freelance market, back on figuring out because I'm still the sole income earner. I'm still the one responsible for everything. And that was kind of my next like nudge from the universe telling me, hey, Jessica, you and this advertising career need to break up. So um, he's now safely in the country. We're going to we're going to get things uncomfortable for you again, because you need to start really looking at some stuff. So that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day. But I got laid off one month after he arrived. So there was no honeymoon. There was no time to just sit back and relax and enjoy the togetherness. I was now pounding the pavement again. Yeah. Figuring shit out. And also helping him get established in a brand new country. Yeah. Me and a handful of other people are the only people he knows. Yeah. 
I just want to say that this is the realness of life when you get married because you know we're always so all oh, the happily ever after and this was like yeah. definitely <laughs> not the introduction into married life that I envisioned as a yeah. little girl like I want a long distance marriage yeah. says no one ever right <laughs> um and oh I want to be the sole income earner yeah and yeah have all the responsibility on yeah. be on me legally right because as the sponsor legally yeah I am I'm very responsible no one walks into marriage Mm -mm. being like yeah I'm signing up for that yeah yeah no um but it's what you do yeah this is this is this is the definition of adulting right here yeah so do you have anything you would like to leave with the listener every day you wake up life is going to come at you Mm mm-hmm And that's a good thing. It means you're alive. Mm -hmm. But no matter what life brings to your door, you can figure it out. Mm. I love that. You can. You have everything inside of you to figure it out. Mm. You have the wherewithal. You have the faith. You have the network. You have the supporters. You have your thumbs that can Google. Mm -hmm. Like, especially right now in this day and age, we have every resource available to us to figure out how to achieve the thing that we need to achieve. Yeah. Okay. That's good. My other question I always like to ask guests, what's something that's messy in your life? Could be something physical or emotional. What's something that's messy? In this moment, as we record this podcast, um, what's messy in our life right now is my husband and I both caught the COVID in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And my symptoms were slight cough, (laughs) some sniffles, and like needed to sleep for four days straight. And then I recovered quite easily. The hubs had every single symptom in the book, Mm. like all of them. So his case was significantly more impactful. And he also had what they refer to as long COVID. So lingering symptoms post infection. And that includes brain fog, dizziness, headaches, fatigue, all of those things that impacts his, you know, shortness of breath, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff that for anyone else working a day job or a desk job or whatever would be definitely an inconvenience and definitely hinder their performance a little bit, but would not be detrimental to mm-hmm. the them going back to work. Maybe they're like, okay, I'm going to do like half days or whatnot. But my husband being a pilot, those things are not even an option to have while operating an aircraft. And so he's been down for months, grounded wow. because he's not eligible to fly. He hasn't been cleared to go back to work. And so what's messy in our life right now is getting him healthy mm-hmm. so that he can get back into the plane and do what he loves to do. Yeah. Wow. Because as you can imagine, a pilot who's not flying, it's it's not a good scene. Yeah. Right. So, we, but we've been down this road before. We've been down this road when he first moved here and he wasn't working. 
and you know had to you know mm-hmm. was was also grounded because he it took a long time to find a first job or during you know the early days of covid when the entire um aviation mm-hmm. world was grounded for months on, we've we've already done this so we know it's temporary he, he will be back but just what's messy right now for us is just living through another season of him not mm-hmm. doing what he loves okay yeah i can imagine that must be tough that's tough yeah so where can people find you to shower you with love jessica um my main social media platform of choice is is the gram so jess.loves.life on instagram mm-hmm. it's the same same thing on tiktok although i am not <laughs> i'm not a huge tiktoker uh they can find me at my website which is jessicastevens.ca and pop me a note at hello at jessicastevens.ca i always love to get messages from people or you can find me on my podcast mm-hmm. um, and hear more of my stories and other guest stories on my show called i just blank now what yes yes perfect so all that information will be in the show notes and thank you so much for being a guest on the show jessica thank you for having me bianca it was so great to have this conversation and go back to this time of my life and i really had kind of put it in a box on a shelf Mm -hmm. because it's been so long and we've moved on and and things are very different now but it was good to unpack that story and share it with people because the stories are full of lessons Mm -hmm. and if we can pay it forward and help other people work through whatever it is that they're working through based on our own experience that's a win in my book i went through it so that not only I can become stronger, but to help other pe- people become stronger too. Absolutely. Yeah. Our stories are not just for us and our experiences are not for us. I agree. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. I told you it was a good story. I told you it would be so interesting. So many twists and turns. And like I said, I can totally relate to being at the whim of the government when it comes to immigration. Of course, she was with the Canadian and mine is personally with the US government. So interesting experience. So of course, my takeaways which I kind of just mentioned, when you have no control, they were at the whim of the government. And control is an illusion. We feel like we have some control. Maybe we do. But in this situation, it was literally you send in your paperwork and you wait. And I think in those instances, that is a great time to practice patience. It's a great time to practice mindfulness. It's a great time to utilize your tools for anxiety. And it's a great time to practice imagining your future because when you're waiting, sometimes we can feel like, oh, I'm waiting. It's not good. It's not going to turn out well, but we don't know that. And you can't talk to people. You can't make people change their mind. You just have to be patient. And so I really relate to that in terms of not having control and just really having to shift the focus in life and focus on other things in the meantime. The other thing is relationships are a risk, aren't they? Even from when Jessica met her husband and she wasn't maybe putting in and there was this question about what's going on and then she started to get serious and, you know, he was traveling, he was from Jamaica. So that's a risk because you never know how it's going to turn out. Is it going to turn out? Relationships in general, but long distance puts that extra oomph on it. 
and you really have to be prepared to know relationships are a risk, but I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens because really I have nothing to lose. And that ties into my third takeaway about how powerful she was and how courageous she was in stepping out and really discovering love despite some of the obstacles that she faced and that her and her husband faced. And when she couldn't even imagine what her future would be like, she still was courageous, even though it was hard. Um, You know, I say courageous, being courageous is not about not experiencing fear, but doing it despite what you feel and despite all those fears that you experienced. And that propelled her to, you know, kind of follow up and reach out and get the correct information she needed in terms of a husband coming through and a husband coming over and him being courageous. So I always like to say, you know, I'm not always a fan of the fairy tale, the happily ever after, because sometimes it can make us think that if there is no happily ever after, or it's not how I thought it would be, that maybe this relationship isn't worth it or is not the relationship that's healthy. So that was my last takeaway. I would love to hear your takeaway. You can send me an email. You can send me a DM. Please don't forget to share this podcast with someone else as you never know who needs it. And if you are continually being inspired, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at authenticallybu for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.